Well, I'd love to start out just kind of, I know some of you and have not met others of you, but I'd love to know a little bit about who's here. Um, are there some here who, well, I know I know one couple here is, is not is pregnant and about to have a baby, but are there some you are expecting and others of you expecting? I thought I saw, if there's Jay, so there's a few of you. That's awesome. Thanks for being here and, and preparing for this. Um, so who has maybe one or two Younger kids, we got a few, so we got a mix, yep. And then does anybody have middle schoolers or high schoolers? No? Okay, and then any empty nesters? We've got one couple right here. <laughs> and I actually want to mention this couple right here. This is, um, hopefully I'll get a chance to meet them after, but this is um, Jim and Mary Kretschmann up here in the front, and they started the Classical Academy, which some of you may have heard about if you've been in the Springs for a while, but it's an incredible classical school, and they started that how many years ago? 20 years ago, and so it's, they started small, and now it's expanded to three different campuses in town, and our kids have been, are a part of it, and have been a part of it um, in various ways in various campuses, so, and then now they're running a preschool, and some of you in here actually, um, your kids attend the preschool, and our kids have all been through their preschool, and our last one is is going through now, so I know we're about to be over with our time there, but, and it has been um, just so incredible to be under their leadership. I'm so honored that they're here. Um, Glenn and I have gleaned and learned so much from, they do something called Parent Time, where they talk about different ideas of principles, ideas, they bring in research, bring in biblical ideas of um, how to parent, so we are just so grateful for them, and they are going to be speaking next week and then a couple weeks after that, so our second and fourth sessions, which I'll, I'll talk a bit more at the end, um, they'll be speaking for that. So I'm so excited to have them here and have the opportunity for you guys to hear from them too. So, um, so before we get into the topic, since some of you haven't heard from me and don't know me very well, besides maybe Glenn sharing little you know, bits here and there in sermons, I just wanted to share a little bit about myself personally. Um, So I grew up in Iowa um, in a farming community, and still there, a lot of people, there's a lot of really small towns, and so a lot of people refer to themselves as, I'm a German Lutheran, or I'm an Irish Catholic, and it's still pretty common that people really hold on to that identity. So my town was a bit more mixed, although my family was predominantly German Lutheran, and that was always sort of joked about and talked about, so you might hear a bit of that come out in some of my stories, but um, a lot of the towns around us were predominantly Dutch. And so that was, you know, a pretty great influence just in our greater community. So um, for those of you who know what those things mean, that may give you some context for me and the family I grew up in. Um, but my dad has been a farmer, a third-generation farmer. And so that was the case for a lot of the people that I grew up knowing. And I loved, had a great childhood. Um, I would say that most of the people were nominally Christian, so that was a little bit of a difficulty as my parents were raising us, and my mom was actually a very strong believer, and my dad, it was a bit of a slower journey for him, but um, so we went to a Lutheran church for many years, and then transitioned to a more charismatic, kind of non-denominational church um, as we got older, Um, but I didn't really grow up in much of a, what I would, you know, people who really would talk about their faith, and I think they believed, but it just wasn't an integral part of their faith. So that was a bit of a challenge for me. Um, and then I did, went to a Christian college in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that was a really an amazing awakening experience for me because all of a sudden I was around all these Christian people and Christian guys, and I was like, this is really crazy. I've never <laughs> really just had never experienced that. Um, but I was very much a baby Christian and did not really have a faith of my own. It was kind of around me, but I wouldn't have say that I, I owned it at that point. So it was kind of a process for me in college. And I met Glenn early on, and he grew up in this you know, wonderful Christian family and um, was a great leader on our campus. And I'm kind of surprised, actually. He pro- I pro- if I was the parent, I probably would have said, maybe you, you might want to go you know, date someone else. But <laughs> I think he saw some seeds of I was wanting to grow and wanting to learn, and so that was part of our dating process. But it took me a little longer to kind of figure out if, what was, if, this, if, it, or if our relationship was going to go anywhere. And so he was sort of always very strong and focused and um, 
kind of wanted to pursue that, but it just took me longer. And so by the end of college, I ended up seeing the light and pursued um, getting married. And so by that point, he was already out here at New Life Church um, in the Springs. Um, and so I graduated in communications and theology, and we got married um, right after I graduated, um, came out to Colorado Springs, and then Glenn was already working at New Life, and I started working at New Life as well in human resources at the time. Um, Loved Colorado, loved being here, really loved the church. And as many of you know, New Life's gone through a lot of challenges, a lot of ups and downs. And so we've been on that journey for many years. And in there, um, so then I guess, let me back up a second to say, I um, went to the University of Colorado and got a master's in counseling after finishing my undergrad. Um, And it was a great experience. I was able to work with Catholic charities here in town with their foster care and adoption and worked in a couple schools in school counseling and then went on to do some private practice right before I had my first. And then once I had my first, I thought, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep, you know, and it just was a bit challenging to do that. So I ended up saying, I'm just going to plunge full in, fully into um, our family and motherhood and have kind of been there since. And now that my youngest is four, I feel like I'm kind of seeing the light of like, maybe I could you know, invest a little bit more and be involved in church life. I mean, I've been, I've been doing a little bit along the way, leading groups and having people in our home, but I haven't felt the capacity until now to, to do a bit more. So that's part of the reason I'm here. And so I've been a parent now for 11 years, which is really crazy to think that it's been that long. Um, so I'm not here because I have it all together, but wanted to share some of the things that Glenn and I have learned along the way and um, things that we're still trying to pursue. So that was a very long introduction, but um, I lost this. Uh-oh. You guys can't see it, can you? No? Okay. Well, I'll just start, and maybe you can see if you can get it to work, Riley. <laughs> okay. So the title is, How Do We Parent Our Children? Um, so a story that comes to mind as I begin is um, when I was pregnant with our first, um, I went to, we were pretty involved with the worship ministry at New Life at this point, and we went, I went to a little gathering at a family's home, and there was a mom who'd had four kids kind of in my phase now, and so I was so excited to be in her home, and just her, she had really lovely children, and just as a young-to-be mom, it was really neat to be in someone's home and have someone kind of care for me and want to lead me and that kind of thing. So, but we'd barely gotten into conversation, and she said, um, she's like, okay, Holly, you know, I I know you're about to have a baby, but you just, you really got to be thinking through this parenting strategies and what you're going to do when your baby arrives. And I, and I had been, I thought I need to be reading. And I was kind of one of those, and I still am like, I got to read everything I can about this topic and be fully informed, which mostly is a blessing. And sometimes it overloads you and you just get confused. And then you're like, what do I do? Um, but she said, okay, there's this particular parenting, um, I don't know what you want to call it, a method out there of when you have a baby, what you should do. And she's like, you know, it's very, it lays it all out. She's like, but whatever you do, don't do this. Um, It's from the devil. And I was really alarmed. Like, how can the parenting method be straight from the devil? And then probably a couple days later, I was talking to, you know, when you're in this phase and you people that are, you know, about to have babies probably know lots of people want to give you advice and, oh, you should do this or you shouldn't do this. And um, so then a couple days later, I was meeting with someone else and she's like, okay, whatever you do, you have to do this method. And it was the very thing that was supposedly from the devil. And so I thought, what to do? Um, I'm so confused. Um, but I was trying to figure out what could be from the devil about this. I thought, okay, now I've really got to read it and go through all these things. And so as you, as you go through various stages of parenting, you, pro- you, know, you hear lots of, you should do this, you should do that. And there are some really good techniques and um, practical ideas out there. And sometimes we need those things. But I think ultimately... Um, there are some things in scripture that are more overarching things, that overarching ideas of love and connection that we can lean on rather than the, the to-dos. So this isn't a to-do or practical talk. It's more like, okay, what's the heart? What's the heart of parenting here? Um, so we're going to talk about some things today about what we see in the Bible, about what are some themes, what are some overarching ideas of, you know, what would be, if we were to say, what's the gospel shape? Um, 
um, of parenting in the Bible. It's not exactly laid out for us, but we can kind of glean some ideas um, from what we do know, what we do see here. So the heart of the gospel is not primarily about behavior modification. And I think we know that when we think about Jesus and who he was and his care and his love for people and his leading of people. But um, sometimes I think, especially with small children, we tend to think that we act as if it is, even though we know maybe in our heart that it isn't, but that we know we have to keep our kids in order and we want them to obey. And I remember a wiser older woman who was 70 once said, well, Holly, um, you know, it's, if, if you want to have a fun life and do things with your kids, they do have to obey. We can't have these crazy kids, you know, running, or, or we won't ever be able to really teach them anything or love them or enjoy them um, in life. And so um, as that's true, it's, I think God's heart for us as parents and with our kids is not to get them in shape and to get them to obey, that that's not really the goal. That's helpful and nice along the way, and we need that, but it's not really the heart of it. Um, I think the gospel reminds us that we are all in need of God's grace, right? I think sometimes maybe we hold our children to a different standard than we want to be held to as adults, right? Like when we mess up, when we don't do, you know, where we want another chance, we, or we want, you know, Jesus came to wash away our sins and to, God sees us as if we've never sinned. And so sometimes I don't think we look at our kids like that, that we hold them to a standard that yet we don't really want to be held to. Um, or that God doesn't hold us to as, as adults. Um, so the idea of grace is not just forgiveness. It is the power to desire and to do God's will. And I really like the scripture um, in Philippians 2, 12 through 13 that says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. So he's talking about the importance of obedience, but work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So I think for us and for our kids, there isn't this thing of, we can't just will ourselves to be different, right? Wouldn't that be nice if we could just say, okay, I'm changing this. Or when we see something in our child that we think, I see, you know, God really wants to work in their life and to do something in their life, but None of us can just say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be different. I'm going to, you know, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in theirs that, that can really only change. Um, oh, and I, I, just going back up a little bit, back to the kind of behavior idea, I was going to share the story um, about our oldest when she was about 18 months old. So in the beginning, I was very, I'm saying this all because we've kind of been down this road, done this about like, it is about behavior. We definitely started out thinking that way. Um, before I had some really wise people that came around me that kind of was like, Holly, let's, let's walk this way a little bit. Um, but I, my 18-month-old would not stay in her bed. And for whatever reason, I thought she should be able to, like, developmentally, she should be able to. But I didn't really know much about child development at that point. Um, but I just thought, she's old enough. Like, other people say their kids stay in their bed. Why won't my child stay in their bed? And so we just kept you know, taking her back and taking her back and having this expectation. I think there is something to be said about teaching them to be able to do that. But I was just purely looking at the behavior and thinking that that needed to change. And I really wasn't considering what's, what's really going on here. What's causing her to keep doing this? Is she scared? Is, does she just need my comfort? Maybe I should lay down with her and comfort her. And we ended up getting there. But, um, I went to one of my mentors and kind of told her this story and she's like, okay, Holly, do you think as a 10-year-old, is she going to be climbing into your bed? I'm like, well, probably not. Um, you know, is, is like, kind of like, what's the most horrible thing about your child wanting to come and seek comfort from you? Or something, there might be something deeper going on here. And so I think just that general idea of whatever behavior you see, what is it that's, what's at the heart here of what's really going on? What, and when they're little, it is a little bit, it is a bit harder. When they get older, you can ask them great questions and talk to them through it. But I think we can even pray for that sense from the Holy Spirit. Like, Lord, show me what, what's going on here. What is it that I could, you know, do to possibly comfort in this situation and not just looking at the behavior. Um, and I just want to make a little note here about that um, when I'm talking about grace and as a parent we can extend mercy, that I'm not talking about permissive, I'm not trying to 
swing to the side of permissive parenting, like, oh, let's just do, let them do whatever they want to do. Like, there is this, we're just not going to talk about all the training and character and all that. That's not really what I'm going to get into today. But as a side note, I just know I'm not advocating for, like, whatever, you know. So. <laughs> um, so now we're going to kind of get into... So if we do have this gospel-shaped idea of parenting and think about Jesus' way, what does it really mean to connect with them? How can, how can we really connect with them? And um, So back to my childhood a little bit, I, I have wonderful, incredible parents who loved me and supported me and were always there for me. But I think in our, I would say I grew up in maybe a pretty stereotypical kind of, in the Midwestern way, it was very much like, well, I said I loved you once. That's enough, right? I don't need to say that again. That's really how it was. So I didn't grow up in a family where anyone ever said, I love you, or anyone ever encouraged me or anything. I mean, it was just sort of like, I know. And um, I never doubted that. But after kind of learning that encouragement is helpful, that affirmation is really nice, and Glenn is very much that way. For any of you that know him, it's really kind of a natural gift. I mean, I think there is something to be said about personality and gifting, but he's really, really great at that. And that's something that I've really had to grow and learn in for 20 years, not really knowing what that felt like or having seen that example. And so as a parent, that has been an area that's been, and in marriage, just harder for me. Like I, I think things and I feel it, but I'm just, I have not, I didn't learn how to, to really say that. And so um, for some of you, that might be easier than others and depending on your training, but it's something I've really had to grow in. Um, and that was kind of an aside, but I was going to start talking about um, forgiveness as a part of this too, that um, you know, there's going to be times where we mess up and we, you know, we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. We, don't, we aren't led the way that, that we could be. And asking for forgiveness, I think, is so key in this as well, that, um, I mean, Glenn and I mess up all the time. And you, I think for us, usually it has to do with not responding in the way that we want to, that we get angry or you're just, your innate response is, ah, you know, and, like, and then you're like, wait, I need, that's not what I, I, I need to figure out how to calm myself before we talk about this or before we figure out how we're going to handle this. But um, I never had a parent ever apologize to me. So I didn't know what that looked like either. I didn't know that parents did that. Um, and so that's something else I've really had to grow in that when I get angry that, that they, how will they learn to apologize for what they've done and that it becomes a part of their life if I'm not modeling that. And so that's been a growing edge for me too. Um, so a couple, oh, let's see, let me back up. Um, so a couple other things about the gospel is that it reminds us that God in Christ has done for us what we could not do. Jesus has been faithful on our behalf, and that's why we trust him in this whole process. Um, the gospel reminds us that God, by the Spirit in us and through us, does what we can't do on our own. Um, as I kind of mentioned before, that you know we trust that the Holy Spirit is working in us and in the lives of our kids. Um, we don't want to just try to change their actions. You know, we want their heart to be transformed, but that isn't something that we have to keep kind of working at. We have to keep talking with them, keep living with them to do that um, and rely on the Holy Spirit. Um, so another story, this, this wasn't too long ago. Um, one of our older, I'll, I'm going to try as, I, as I've talked about here, I'm like, I asked my girls, I said, well, can I share stories about you? And like, yeah, just don't say it's me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, and we have three girls. So if I said, girls, you'll just, you know, you won't know exactly who it is. We only have one boy. So if I say he, you'll probably know. But um, so not too long ago, um, one of the, we have, um, we have really not delved into makeup much in our home yet, but the girls are starting to think about it. And they do have it for um, productions. They're both involved in dance and theater. And so we have a little bit of makeup for them for special times. But we were about to leave one morning and one of my girls came in and um, had obviously had a little makeup on. And um, she came up in her time like, honey, you, you have makeup on. She's like, no. Like, um, yeah, like I can see it on your face. <laughs> it's not something you can really. Um, she's like, like, then she kind of, you know, knew that I knew, but we had to go, and it just 
was one of those moments where we couldn't really figure out how we were going to go about this. But I was so angry. But inside I thought, my daughter right in front of my face is saying, no, I, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, but obviously, I mean, I could see like, I could see that she knew, you know, that it, what was happening was wrong. But just, it was, it's hard in those moments when you feel like I want to get into this. We just, we can't, we have to go right now. And so I knew it was something we we're going to have to talk about later. And it was probably good for my feelings to settle before we actually talked about it. But um, so we had to go do some things and come back around. I talked with Glenn about what happened and how are we gonna how are we gonna talk with her about this? And um, so he was very encouraging. I like, kind of wanted to dish it to him, like, can you just deal with this? But I knew, like, no, this is something between us. We really need to talk it through together. And um, so first I had to apologize because I got mad and she could see that on my face. I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about this later, but I'd probably say it in a very nice way. Um, and so um, I think when you think I've taught my child for these years, like there's just so many moments you're like, how can they be doing this? You know, they're sinful. You know, these things are going to happen, but I just, and I felt kind of embarrassed. Like, how can my child be, how can we have to be talking about this? And, um, so, but we, I calmed myself and prayed that the Lord would help me through this. And so we went on a little drive and got a drink and drove around. And so I started just by asking, honey, what is, what's going on in your heart? Like, what, what, what are you thinking when this happened? What are you feeling? And, and so it, I think she was feeling the emotion of embarrassment and of um, feeling just bad, feeling that, feeling bad about what she had done and was very aware of it and realized it, um, but just didn't quite know what to do with herself. And so um, it took her a bit to kind of be able to, to kind of open up and for her to express herself. Um, but I think I ended up finding out through asking questions, and she is my, a little bit more of a prot, like she will open up a bit more, just personality-wise. And so she ended up saying, you know, I think I just... I have a hard time not telling you sometimes and not telling my friends what they want to hear. And um, it's like, I want, I want people to be happy with me. I don't want to let them down or to disappoint them. And so it really, the conversation really ebbed more into about friendship and about other situations even than this situation. And that, that conversation became a gateway to so much else that I don't know if I would have known about had this not happened, would, would it have come up naturally? And so um, I found out lots of other stuff about what was going on, and um, I really didn't know this was as much of a struggle for her as it is. And um, so we ended up having this whole conversation about identity and about... Um, I think some of it for her was feeling embarrassed about things that she liked or things that she enjoyed. Our kids are very imaginative and are constantly creating all these worlds. They have really vivid imaginations. And I think as they're getting older, it's like, is this okay? I, my friends are beyond this. They're not doing this anymore. And so when someone says, what did you do on Saturday? It's like, well, I read a book and maybe she doesn't really want to share the rest of it because it's not what everyone else is saying. And so, um, it was, a, it was an opportunity for me to maybe unnaturally, you know, like, okay, Holly, this is your chance to say, you know, what, what do you see in her? And so I had the chance to say, you know, I believe God has given you this incredible imagination and this is, this is a gift. And don't, don't let where other people are at control where you're at and what God has given you. And like, there are so many kids and adults who have no imagination. Like this is a gift that you will be able to give to other people through whatever God has for you. Um, and then we also talked about just her identity that um, at the core, it's what does God think about you? Let, let's keep praying together and talking about what does God see you as? What is, what is your identity in him versus what other people might say or um, and just not letting the voices of others sort of stick with you. Um, so it was just a really, a really neat conversation. And I think she was waiting for this, like, what's my terrible consequence, you know? And she, she even wrote me a little thing that said, Mom, whatever consequence you have, I, I deserve it. I, you know, and, <laughs> and so, but the thing is, is I had, I had some experiences like this as a child, and I had lots of consequences for my behavior, but that didn't really 
do anything. I mean, I think consequences will control a situation, and, and oftentimes they are more necessary for younger kids because we have to get control so they can have an effect, and sometimes our kids' own natural consequences have an effect. But ultimately, they will get you control in the moment, but they won't produce a connection with your child, and they won't help them learn anything. And aren't those really the two things that we want for them? We want to connect to their hearts, and we want them to learn and grow out of this. And so I ended up, Glenn and I ended up feeling like her own internal, all the, inter, the weight and the heaviness and the sadness and remorse that she felt was as much of a consequence as we felt she needed. And our, what I really hoped was that she would learn and grow and help and know that we see that she can't just say, oh, okay, tomorrow I'll never do this again. I'll be, just, I'll be different. But that this is a process of her continuing to pray like, Holy Spirit, lead and guide me in this. Help me to have courage to be honest and help me to have courage to be strong and knowing that we're in there with her in this. Um, okay. And just another, I'm just going to make a little pitch for a book here for a moment about kind of speaking about you could go on and on about, have a whole talk about consequences, but that's not really what my talk's about today. But this is a book that I wish I would have known about as a really young parent, but it's called The Whole Brain Child. And, and I will have, you guys might have picked it up already, I do have a list of resources on parenting in the back, and these are just books that Glenn and I have really gleaned on and just really, I've read a lot of parenting books. But these are the ones that kind of come back to us and that we continue to recommend. But this is one, I've, I, don't need, I think it was written quite a while ago, but it's... Um, I've just become aware of it in the past couple of years. But it really talks about the development of the child's brain and what, what should we really expect of them at different ages and phases and um, talks about in the area of when, when they're really... Well, one of the things that stuck out to me about this book is that um, when a child is really upset, that so much of their brain shuts down and they're really not able to... Like if you're giving like, oh, you should be doing this, uh, stop doing it. You know, they, they, they're completely shut down and they're not going to hear. It's like a block. They're not going to hear anything you're saying anyways. And I think for me, sometimes that happens too. If I'm in a, you know, a real alarm situation or I feel the intensity of someone, I feel myself starting to shut down. And so, but it's easy in those moments, isn't it? To, you know, like, I want to say this right now. You need to hear this. But it's really fruitless. It's, it's not going to do anything. So he really goes into a lot more than I'm saying, a lot more of the brain research behind what's happening um, in those moments. And so I've just been very grateful for the psych- There's so much psychology now that really helps us understand kids that really hasn't been there in a lot of years prior. So this is a great one. Um, I'll just read you one quote from this book that I really, that was really helpful. It says, the upstairs brain, which makes decisions and balances emotion, is under construction until the mid-20s. It's quite a long time, right? So there's time to extend mercy to our kids when they're still developing. Um, In young children, the right brain and its emotions tends to overrule the left brain. No wonder they throw tantrums, fight, and sulk. So it's like sometimes asking ourselves, what is, what, you know, are they tired? What's going on here? Are they tired? Are they emotionally spent. I think those times when I get the most frustrated, especially with our little one, I have to constantly step back and ask, okay, what has our week been like? What have I done to contribute to her melting down, her tiredness? Like often it's not like they're just trying to willfully be um, silly or be drama queen or whatever, but oftentimes it's life, it's us. There's so much that contributes to what's going on and taking a step back for us as parents to kind of think about that and realize that sometimes we might have more compassion if we, if we think about some of those things. Um, so I've had this slide up there for a while. So getting on to connecting with their hearts and maybe some ideas of um, how do we really do this? So a scripture that we reflect on quite often is this one that's probably familiar, very familiar to you in Deuteronomy Um, 6, 5 through 9, that says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
I think children long for our loving presence, don't they, more than, more than anything else. They desire to be seen and known. Um, reflecting on this scripture, it's, it's kind of can be inspiring and maybe daunting at the same time. Um, it's like, how do we do this? How do we be with them and teach them and live with them and love them? And, um, so, and I think every family has a unique puzzle. There isn't, I think this part of what I want to say for this overarching thing is there really isn't a formula for any of this. Therefore, that's why we're not talking about tips and techniques. But um, we have this kind of general idea that we are to be with them and impress things on them and to love them and care for them. But um, that looks different for each family. So it really is a prayerful thing to figure out, okay, how do I figure out this for our particular puzzle, for all of our personalities and all of our kids? Um, and we live in a, a busy culture as it has been for thousands of years. There's so much to do. And so um, it is a prayerful thing for each family to figure out how are we going to invest our time. If, if I want to have a certain amount of time with my kids, then what does this mean letting go of this or bringing them with me into this? Um, and I think Jesus is such a great, I'm so grateful that we have these stories and we have this him as an example in all of this. Um, he lived with them. He, he lived, had a lot of dual role, lots of roles in, in the disciples' lives, right? He, um, he was their authority, but he was a friend. He was um, a mentor. He, he was, but he saw everything about them, which is kind of like parenting. Isn't he saw them when they were tired, when they were grumpy, when they weren't obedient. Um, and he seemed to find ways to sort of lead and guide them amidst all these various situations. Um, but I think the thing that was the, the foundation is that, but they were always together. They, they did a lot of things together. And so part of this is just figure the practical part is figuring out the time. How, how are we going to spend time together? Um, so figuring out time and availability. So I'm just, now I'm just going to throw out some ideas and, these are not unique to us, but we've asked lots of questions of older parents and said, how do you, um, how do you figure out how to, how to be together? And um, Let me go back one second just to the time and availability. Um, so I think oftentimes um, when our kids want that, it's not very convenient for us. That's something I really learned over the years that I can, it, I can, to some extent, I can plan those special times with them or I'm going to take this one out or be with them. And those, I, our kids often really, they love that and they yearn for that. They're so excited when we'll make that time. But then the other part of the time and availability um, idea is that oftentimes it's not convenient when they most really need to talk to us or most, or even when they're really little, when they're melting down or you're thinking, I don't have time for this. I need to move on or, you know, and so there is a lot of laying your life down and really connecting with them in those moments where it's very not convenient um, for us as parents. And one story that comes to mind about this is, um, so one of my girls is, is more introverted and um, it's, it's harder for her to express what she's feeling and thinking. And so as, as your kid, kids grow and you learn that they're all a little bit different, and the, there's, there's not even one. I can't even figure something out for one. They're all different. I have to figure out how to parent well and connect well with all of that, you know, and I've got four, so it takes quite a bit of energy and, and thought and prayer to do that. But so one of them, um, she struggled since being little with just really having a hard time con- getting control of her emotions and just getting really angry and not knowing what to do with herself. And... Um, it's, it's been a challenge to figure out how to, how to connect in those moments. But there was one day when, I can't remember what happened, but she was very angry about something and went to our landing and just like completely sat down in despair and just was just despairing over what, something that had happened with her siblings and um, just sat there. And I, off, this has happened enough times that by this point I'm like, oh, not again. I, I just, everything in me wants to be like, okay, let's, you're good. You're fine. Let's move on. Let's just, you know, because I know the start of this, what this is going to mean for a big chunk of our, of our time. And so it's, it's been a growing edge and a patient journey for me to figure out how to connect in, in this moment. Um, and so 
once in a while, and this was one of those times when I really felt this nudge from the Holy Spirit, like, Holly, this is, this is an ch- opportunity for you to lean in. I'm like, okay, lean in, lean in, you know. And um, so I, I sat there for a very long time, just, I felt like, you know, the Holy Spirit's like, just put your arm around her. I'm like, okay, put my arm around her, like, okay, I'll just sit here in comfort. And I'm more of a talk, let's talk it out. I'm a verbal processor. And so just sitting in quietness for 20 minutes patiently is, is a challenge for me. But I really felt like in this moment, this is what I need to do. And so um, started trying to ask some questions to process and that wasn't really going anywhere. And so um, with this particular child, what I've realized is sometimes throwing out a few words or phrases or things that can maybe give her some language. Maybe it's not there for her at the moment, especially if she's really upset, um, to kind of help her. Like, okay, is it maybe this? Or are you feeling this? Or just to try to help her kind of be able to process a little bit. And so after probably 30 minutes, maybe, what, um, what I kind of was able to put together that was happening is that she ended up saying, I just don't feel like I can control myself. I don't have, I don't have, why can't I be like my sibling or these other kids? Like they seem to be able to, they get upset and mad and they can control themselves perfectly well. Like why can't I do that? And I don't have, you know, I can't give her that answer. Um, And then along with that, in past conversations, bringing this into it saying, I, how do I even know if God is real? And if I don't even know if God's real, how can God help me anyway? And um, as a mom, hearing all this, it's so hard. It's, you, know, you I want to, I want to be the fixer, and I know I can't, I can't make it all better. I can't make her feel the way that I hope she would feel. Um, but what I can do is I can comfort her. I can pray with her, and, and we can pray that the Lord will show her um, some of these questions that she has, that, that she will feel that comfort from the Holy Spirit, and I can try to be a vessel to, to bring that to her. And it was just a long process of talking through that. And, and then eventually I kind of saw her spirit start to, to perk up a little bit and have the courage and energy to, to kind of move on. And so we've had a few, it's just been a very slow process with her, her growing. And thankfully it's been really neat to see that probably over the past couple years, I'm I'm seeing it. I'm starting to see a little bit of change. I'm seeing like some of these outbursts and some of these issues of self-control that uh, I can see little changes where I can just see her like, I think it's the work of the Lord in her, you know, just um, responding a bit differently. Um, And I try to tell her that like, I, I saw that you, I saw you refrain from getting, you know, from doing something to show your anger or, and so, but here again, I, I've, it's, a, it's a growing edge for me to like, be thoughtful about that, not just to pass by it and to try to recognize the growth. It's easy, isn't it easy to recognize what's wrong and to correct? But it's harder to say, to say, I see that. I see how you're changing and growing, and I see what you're doing right, and I see, I see you on this journey. Um, So just to get a little bit um, practical, um, some of the things that, how's my time? Okay, got a little bit of time left. Um, just, I'll just give a few ideas of some of the ways that we have tried over the years to connect. Um, when they were really little, um, I did do a lot of back scratching and laying in bed and cuddling and holding and... Um, for us, that was easier than trying to get them to stay in bed. Or I'm like, let's just lay down for five or ten minutes. This will be a lot easier than me trying to get you to, you know, stay in bed. And I'm, I don't regret. I mean, it's a lot. It was a lot of time and hours spent. Often, I would fall asleep, and Glenn would come in and go, "Okay." <laughs> but I, then sometimes that ten minute nap would help me get through the rest of the evening, and I could read or do stuff that would kind of inspire me as a mom. So it ended up kind of paying off. But. Um, that was something that we pretty consistently did at night was just to, our, our routine was reading and cuddling and falling asleep and, and then Glenn and I moving on with our night. But um, so working together, um, we're in the phase of some of our kids are getting older and um, me as trying to train them how to work. Like what does it mean to work hard in the house? And 
you know, needing, wanting to train them up in that way and not to do everything for them. Um, so, but that's, you know, sometimes a bit difficult to get them to see, to see that. So we try to make things fun and turn on music. The girls are really into, um, like Mandisa and Jamie Grace right now. I don't know if you guys, I, I was kind of more unfamiliar, but they, they've shown me the way um, of how that can be helpful in cleaning and just doing stuff around the house and trying to make it a little bit more fun. Um, um, my, so my young, so then um, playing together, I mean, that's more of a phase for my youngest one who's four now, but she is very extroverted, very... Um, wants everyone to do everything with her all the time. And, and the older kids are, you know, wanting to do other things. But she is always, Mom, come do this with me. Play this game with me. And she has her specific things that she, you know, often when they're little, they get on a track. And it's like, I want to keep doing this for a phase before I switch. So for her right now, it's, she has a game called Zingo and Make and Break and Memory. And she wants us to play those with her over and over again. And a couple puzzles. So it's like the Peter Rabbit puzzle. It's I have to do the Peter Rabbit puzzle one more time. But I'm constantly reminding myself that it's, it's part of my job in loving them is to enter into their world. Um, a mature adult can find a way to lay aside their own desires of what I want to do or what I might want to bring them into, but I can, I can see them and see their desires, see their stage, where they're at, what they need, and try to keep doing those things over and over again because it's what they're desiring. It's where they're at. It's, it's what they need and want. Um, so probably my most favorite things actually to do together would be reading together and talking together. But I absolutely love books. In a couple weeks, I'm going to do a talk on <clears throat> bringing bo- books in the home and shaping your family culture around books and what that can bring to your family life. But that's just one of my passions as, as a mom is reading with them. So I've been reading with them since they've been really, really little. And anyway, I'll save that. But um, I love doing that with them. And I find that that is a great segue to conversation, that there's so many conversations I know that we would never have if we hadn't had something as a springboard to, to bring us into that conversation. Um, we are usually always doing some kind of a read aloud. And right now we're reading Little Men, so probably a lot of you have heard of Little Women, and we've read Little Women a lot, but I actually had never read um, this, the rest of the series. So, but there's lots of parenting stuff in there in that book. I, which, and so one of the things I love about books is that it's a sort of a subversive way of bringing ideas up in your family, that instead of lots of lectures... Like, okay, you need to do this. You need to see this. And don't, don't you see what's happening here? You know, that the story has a way of naturally bringing that up and that they can process that on their own and not just always telling them what to do or to think. Um, and so, anyway, Little Men, um, there's a lot. So it's, if you're familiar at all with Little Women, Joe is the main character, the main, there's four sisters. And later on in life, she gets married and has this home for boys. And so her own kids are there, but they bring in orphans and they bring in all these kids. And you start to kind of hear their stories. And so you see a lot about how they respond to these boys' questions and um, the sorrow that they've had in their own lives. And so my, one of my girls was like, Mom, what do you think about the way that she parented him? Or, you know, she said that this is what it means like to have, you know, so in, in education, what do you think about her education style? I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> so it's just it's neat to hear what are their questions out of just reading something together. Anyway, okay, I'll stop there. I'll save it for the next time. But um, So yeah, in general, reading can lead to, to questions, but just talking together. Um, I love any, any way that we can have a try to have a great conversation. And I'm, for those of you who have young kids, you're like, oh, that seems so far away. But you'll get there. Like, I'm, I'm finally getting there. And so to have, to my girls getting a bit older now, being 9 and 11, um, we're having some really great conversations. It's been really exciting to kind of get here. But a couple of the ways that we do this, it, sometimes it's just hard to think of questions. Um, we pretty consistently at mealtime, we do highs and lows. And that's kind of just a neat way. Everybody goes around, and even our youngest one says pretty silly things about her highs and lows. But even with little ones, you can start getting that in your family culture. And it's just a really, if we've had a busier day where we haven't connected, we can 
ask everybody, you know, what was your high today meaning? Like, what was, what was something that brought joy to you today? Or what, your low, what was something that was really sad or difficult? And, you know, lots of times it doesn't go any further than that, but sometimes it reveals something about their heart and where they're at or something that we can maybe continue that later. But it's at least a kind of a daily heart check-in so we know, like, what, what is going on, you know, in everybody's hearts. Um, another thing that, I wish I would have brought it, but um, there's a, a little game that you can buy. It's called the Family Talk Game. And just these little cards. So I just usually carry them around in the car with me. And you know, there's lots of driving, carpool lines, driving to the store. And so sometimes I'll give them to one of my girls now and say, okay, let's, let's, do some quest- let's read some questions together. Um, and um, the other day, um, one of my girls was reading. She was just reading them kind of to her. I'm like, I'm driving. You're only with me, so you read the questions, and then you'll answer them, and then I'll answer them. And one of them is like, what are your... Um, three least favorite things to do and three favorite things to do. And one of her least favorite things to do is the one I mentioned who's more interested is like talking. Like I really, I really like to talk that much. Like you don't like to talk. Like, so you'll find a lot of your growing edges are with some of your kids who you're just very different than them and finding those ways of how do I, how do we connect when what's most natural to me is not what's most natural to you. Um, and so it's been, it's been a learning process for, for me to figure out. So, so she's more of a doer. Like, she wants to do stuff together. And so what does she love to do? And so me enter, you know, entering into that process of, of doing and more activity together. And, and oftentimes her heart will come out in the doing, but not just in the sitting at coffee, which is something I love to do. But... Um, <laughs> um, A principle that, one principle that I just wanted to share that as far as thinking about time goes, um, we had a couple that said to us once, schedule first what matters most. It seems like kind of a cliche saying or something, but it's really stuck with Glenn and I that if we have certain things that we want to make sure happen, it's easy to like things come up and you say yes, yes, and all of a sudden you feel like your life's out of control and you're like, the things I really want to do, I'm actually not doing. And I'm letting all these other things sort of fill our time. Um, but we've, we try to take periods to reevaluate our family time. Um, usually like in January, we go on a two-day um, little retreat at the beginning of each year. And we've done this since our kids were really little to reevaluate and pray about what season is our family in? What are the needs of our family? What, um, what do we want to continue to do and what do we want to change? Um, and this is a question that we keep coming back to, that really we'd like to schedule these things first, like first put the things under their most important, and then whatever we have time for left is come, can fall under that. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, we do try to, so in light of intentional time, um, that there um we do try to take make special times like having dates with them or have and when their kids were really little maybe it was just okay it's your treat to sleep in in our room on the floor and have a little you know have feel special to be in our room or um sometimes we would stay up late if it was like you know if you don't have the money to go out it doesn't have to be you don't have to spend money it could just be like what can i be creative with in my home to to take them aside. And so sometimes as tired as we've been, like maybe it's just staying up an hour later and having some spell. They love that. It's like, I get to do something that's special that's not like everybody else. And those were a bit rougher for me at night. You're like, okay, I can stay awake to invest this time. But anything like that that would, you know, make them feel special. Um, so lastly, um, as I mentioned, you know, we, we all have to kind of figure this out on our own. We all have to figure out what is the vision that God is giving each of us for our homes and what does that look like? What does that involve? Um, but remembering that whatever struggles you're having, whatever things you're facing, that God put you together. I think sometimes we can say, well, why did God give me this child? Or why, you know, my child, your child was saying, thinking, why did my mom is so different than me, or we're just having such a hard time in this season or connecting, but just remembering that, that, that God put you together and that, and that through the Holy Spirit that, that you have what it, 
that he's given you what you need. You continue to pray for, to see his work, and, and it's a process. And for those of you who are parents, it's, um, are about to be, you know, it's like it's, even for Jim and Mary, it, it never ends, does it? Like, it's, there's never, it just changes. And so I think, I thought when I had a baby, well, I still kind of think this, having a baby is so hard. Like, they're, when someone's screaming and crying at you, you're like, what can I do to, you know, it's some, there's, there's no rationale necessarily here, but, but it's, um, there are great joys in every stage, and there are great difficulties in every stage. And so um, it is a constant daily thing to lean on the Lord to, to lead us and guide us. Um, so I have a few minutes left. I'll just, um, yeah, I kind of talked about a lot of that. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about what's to come. Um, so October 9th, I hope you guys will continue in the series with us. Um, so Jim and Mary, who I mentioned, are here. Um, they're going to do their first, they're going to do two parts, um, one on October 9th, one on October 23rd on love-focused parenting and a framework for understanding your child's heart. And then in the second week, they'll get into some more, what are some of the cultural trends that we see? Or maybe things like you feel pulled towards everybody around me is doing this. So how do we talk about what we see in culture in connection with what we see in the Bible? How, how do we, how do we um, kind of parse this out? Um, and then as I said, in a couple weeks, I'll come back and talk a bit about um, cultivating character through story. Um, how can we lead and guide through story without, you know, lecturing and just telling them the moral ending of everything, but letting the story lead us. And then some of you may know a couple in town who has a ministry. Their names are Clay and Sally Clarkson. They've written a couple books, which I, if you picked up this sheet on the way in, you can get it on the way out if you haven't, but it's some of our favorite parenting books and a couple of their books are on there. Um, they've really been personal mentors to us over the last 10 years, and I'm really grateful for all the time that they've spent through their writing and just personally pouring into us. So I don't know their topic. They travel a lot um, speaking about parenting, so hopefully I'll find out soon what they're, what they're going to do. But um, So that is, that is the end for today. Um, I'd love to talk to any of you if you want to come up and talk about a situation or just want to ask a question. Um, I'll be here for a while. So. Thank you.